This is the Bo Show. Hell yeah, yeah. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Bow Show for SML Entertainment. Hot tubs, saunas, and home leisure. SML Entertainment has brought friends and family together since 1956. Learn more at smlentertainment.com. All right, everybody. Welcome to The Bow Show this Wednesday. I know uh, Matt and Logan are sitting in the studio just now because I tried to start my intro a little early. But I think Logan held me off. Thank you for that, sir. <laughs> um, man, I am, uh, I'm back from L.A., um, went down there one day, flew out, you know, 6 a.m. Which, by the way, real quick, I want to say, I, I go to fly out at 6 a.m. I'm thinking, okay, I'll get there at 4.30. Um, give me an hour and a half. You've got to be checked in at least an hour for the uh, international flights. So I'm like, it'll be a breeze. It's 4.30 in the morning. Nobody will be there. <laughs> when I say that security line was so long, I literally waited for 45 minutes in security line. I barely made boarding by like two minutes. You didn't flex the "Do you know who I am?" card. No, I don't ever, ever, ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it was uh, the funny thing is I, I tried to dress a little incognito, uh, you know, for the airport and stuff, just to kind of, you know, get away from everything. Um, and yeah. uh, <laughs> instantly, I get in line and two people turn around, and it's not <laughs> like they discreetly say, it. "They're like, hey, are you Bo?" And I'm like, "Hey." <laughs> Uh, Ooh, this line's pretty long. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Try and hide your accent. Yeah, that's that's the problem. The accent sticks out. That's what that's everybody gets it from. Uh, yeah, right, that gives yeah, you away right I away. Went down to L.A. Went down to L.A. Uh, got a cortisone shot from uh, two of the the head physicians from the L.A. Rams uh, because it, it, the Curling Joe facility, uh, Dr. Elichage and Dr. Batten, and, and man, it was amazing. Like. They were a little bit worried with the angle they had to go in for the shot, just just worried about stuff they have to bypass in order to get to the spot we needed to get to. And um, his words were, I have to be a sniper to hit this right. And <laughs> That's good to hear. That's I, man, inspiring. Yeah, I know. Right, right before I'm going down, too, I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. What? Wait. <laughs> what's the success rate here, man? Come yeah, on. Yeah. Like, what, what, what's the worst case scenario we're talking about? <laughs> But, um, man, when I tell you that he pulled the needle out and he goes, woo! (laughs) He looks at at his nurse and is like, did you see that? That was so baller. That was the word from my doctor from getting the shot. (laughs) Like he hit the the home run into the second deck. That's the one. Yeah, like like he's like just a bat flip, throws the needle up in the air. (laughs) Um. Hey, uh, real quick to the fans out there, 19-0, text in. Uh, Maddie will check out the text line if you got anything to ask, anything to comment on, uh, questions like that from about the entire league, whatever you want to know. Uh, you can call in, 240-4444. Um, yeah, so got down there, got the shot, got back last night at about 11 p.m., um, went to sleep for a couple hours, woke up at 5 a.m. to get on the flight to Ottawa this morning. So uh, a lot of a lot of flying in the last couple of days, and I'm pumped because you know starting Friday I can pick up the ball, start throwing again, and uh, yeah, man, get back to it. That must be a good feeling because I know watching from the sidelines, it's been a lot of just kind of keeping that cardio, running down the sidelines, that type of thing. Haven't seen you throw a ball since the injury. How like how excited are you to just get to that point? Oh man, I just 
you, you want to just pick up the ball and, and, and let, it, let it go and not feel anything. You know what I mean? I think for the first, you know, two weeks, I was just dealing with stuff um, and just constantly kept feeling some things that felt off, you know, uh, just some muscles were overactive, like one muscle would be inactive or something, and now something else compensates. Um, but, yeah, man, it, just, it kind of just felt weird for the first couple of weeks waiting it's almost like I was waiting for something to happen because something didn't feel right. And then all of a sudden, you know, the pet gives. And um, then we get down to the root of the problem. And, yeah, man, I mean, it's going to feel good to pick the ball up and uh, get out there start throwing again, get back to the team, start helping us win, and get back at it, man. I'm excited. You're right. It's been a lot of running. I've been running every day. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not yeah, a pro, not. but – at the same time, you've got a handful of guys on the injury list right now who are guys who are big contributors to the team. It's not like you were doing this by yourself. Like it's with Kamar Jordan, Don Jackson's out there, some of the guys. So that must help out a little bit in some sense, perhaps. Oh, for sure. Uh, me and KJ just keep talking about how when we come back, things are really going to go off. Uh, <laughs> so we're excited, man. Yeah, I think everybody. It's, it's kind of different. I haven't missed a game since 2014, so it's just been a different atmosphere a little bit. Um, you know, your your first thought, you know, when you're playing, you wake up and it's, all right, what's the game plan? How are we attacking them? But then day two, it's like, okay, reaffirming all those thoughts, um, you know, trying to find extra things, how to hit them. And when you're on six game, you just wake up like, all right, how can I get better today? You know, how can yeah. I how can I get in better shape for when I come back? Um, you know, how can, how can I mentally be more ready? Uh, but really just physically getting the rehab done. And it's like you, you rehab. You do treatment, you rehab, you do treatment, um, just trying to constantly find ways to make yourself feel better. And every guy's going through it, and it's good to see some of those guys go through it, get back, feel good. Um, yeah, man, just have the belief that everything's going to be good, and I think that's, that's the best part. Right on, dude. That's I, I kind of wanted to go back to your trip to L.A. because you talk about you know being excited that you're getting to the point where you're going to be able to throw the football. And I think when people hear cortisone shot, shot pardon me, there's a lot of things that people kind of think. Was it one of the senses where you went down, had the shot, and then start to feel better like almost instantaneously? Or is that something that's just kind of helped as things have gone along? Um, yeah, no, I think I've, I've been healing over these last three weeks. The pecs more, it's just something that has to heal on its own. You know, it's... Um, when you strain any muscle, it's, you know, you, you know, try to strengthen it, then lengthen it uh, to get it back, but you've got to let it heal. So letting the pec heal, um, and then starting to do a little bit of rehab for it, doing passive movements and everything, just trying to get the body feeling good. And then, um, and then yeah, then it's just helping to strengthen the rest of the shoulder. You know, obviously the pec happens, and it's either the cause of the problem or it's a symptom of a different problem. So, it's you know, you're trying to make sure you figure out everything and, kind of break everything back down, how do things feel when you throw like this, how do things feel when you throw like this, and it's just trying to be smart so you don't come back and do the same thing. Um, you know, you're just trying to, for any injury that any athlete has, if it's a knee, um, you know, a quad, something like that, you start to think, okay, is the quad overactive, too strong, is the hamstring weak, so the quad's compensating for it. Um, you know, is the, quad, is the hamstring overactive and now the quads having to do extra to try to take over to, to help out on your running motion and so when you injure things it's not really it's not always just the exact thing that gets injured that's typically the uh reaction to something else so um it's going back and doing a lot of small passive movements trying to figure out exactly what muscles feel good what don't how your range of motion is and, and if it's restricted somewhere why is it restricted in that area um 
and just trying to break everything down to where you get back to where everything feels 100%, and you're not trying to come back at 90 and, and force things. So, yeah, getting the cortisone shot was um, – it's just what we needed to do. There's just a little bit of something in there. We had to, like, shrink down a little bit. And, yeah, um, yeah so we shrink that down. And, and now, I mean, it's really like two, three days feels great um, is what he says uh, for the cortisone shot. And then at that point, you can really start to hit the rehab, really start to get the ball up, start to throw more. But, yeah, the first couple of weeks, everything is on plan, and that's, that's the nice part. Uh, it's just letting things heal, then strengthen, then get the endurance for it back, and then hit the, hit the ground running. Text line is 960-960. Hit us up on the Glenmore Audi Fan Feedback. Text line, get your thoughts into Bo Levi Mitchell. I uh, just wanted to read one here, Bo, before maybe we look at last week and then look towards tomorrow's game against Ottawa. And this is one that says, thanks so much for coming out to support Keon Raymond's big time 7 versus 7 It meant a ton to the kids to see you and KJ there. I saw some pictures of you guys up on Instagram. Looked like a great group. Just uh, how was that event? Uh, it was cool, man. Keon, Keon's doing a lot of cool things. Um, it's 7-on-7 seven seven league, which I, I believe right now that – I don't know if you call him the team of the league, BTP, which is a big-time player. Um, he's done a great job about hitting local high schools, uh, finding guys that have the interest to play professionally. And when when we talk in the CFL right now, um, over the last couple of years, a lot of the talk has been about you know Canadian depth and, and the quarterback position and, and how you get Canadians to get developed correctly the right way. Um you know, that goes back to what me and I'm sure a lot of other CFL players are doing right now is we're trying to get back into the community with those kids at a younger age to progress them and show them, like, hey, man, listen, this is how I work as a professional. This is what goes through my daily routine. Here's how when I was your age and I had these problems, here's what I personally did to overcome them. It's not somebody that, you know, learned something out of a book and they're trying to teach it to you. It's saying, it's saying hey, I've been through this experience. And here's how I got to where I am today. And you start to put that vision in those kids' minds and say, like, hey, you're no, you're no, you're no worse than I was as a kid. Why can't you be in the same position that I am? And I think that their eyes really opened big at that moment. So, um, yeah, I was about to leave the stadium, and KJ actually, uh, Kamar Jordan, KJ was like, he's like, hey, man, Keon's got uh, this thing going on, his seven-on-seven league in your in your town. Uh, in Chestermere, do you want to stop by? And I was like, sure, let's do it. So we went up there, and, yeah, Keon had no idea. We just wanted to stop by, kind of see what he was doing. And basically what he's doing is he, he's taking his team that he's developed, these kids that he's been teaching, and he allows other kids in the city. So he's gone to Chestermere, he's gone to Airdrie, uh, Cochrane. Um, he's trying to get to all the surrounding cities. He takes those kids to play and says, other kids can drop in to play against my team. And so then if he sees other kids that have some talent, um, you know, that maybe just haven't gotten the opportunity to play football, but they obviously look like they can do it. Now he brings them on the team. He starts coaching them. I mean, he's got, he's got you know, an eighth grade team. He's got a ninth and tenth grade team. Um, three of the quarterbacks there are quarterbacks that I have coached and I've, I've personally, you know, tried to get to that point that I'm talking about. Um, and so that was kind of cool to see that, man, these kids aren't just coming to me because of me and my name. These kids truly do want to get better. You know, they're coming to me and they're paying, you know, their parents are paying hard-earned money to come uh, have me train these guys one-on-one. Now they're playing a seven-on-seven league and they're going to all-star camps. Um, so, you know, I, I believe that to me, the youth football in Canada right now, especially in Calgary, that I, that I can personally see my own eyes, is definitely taking a big step 
Um, and it's because of guys like Keon Raven, guys like um, – I'm blanking on his name, but 31, the fullback from uh, from Edmonton. McCarthy. McCarthy. He's, yeah, so he's him, been there forever, yeah. Yeah, him, Ryan King. I know they run a camp over in Edmonton. Um, I think the days of the CFL where Americans and Canadians, we kind of come in, we play six months, and we leave, and we go do the rest of our lives. I think those days are, are over. Um or dwindling at least. You know, there's a lot of guys that stay in their hometowns that try to give back, to try to, um, you know, bring up the youth to, to keep progressing football and sports in general. And, uh, and it's, it's fun to see. Well, you can even say that as far as guys that are kind of sticking around. Even on your team, I look at Trey Roberson and Don Jackson, who came up and got places here in Calgary after just a couple of years with the Stampeders. Yeah, exactly, man. Like 2012, uh, and no, let's, let's say 2013. So the my second year coming in, you know, Drew would always come early, and that instantly told me like, okay, so quarterback tend to get to camp early. Okay, so that's how I need to how I need to be. So I get to camp early, and so with Brad and Brad and Drew usually live together during the season. So I would actually stay with Drew for like two weeks until I, you know, was able to get a camp check to have some money to go get a place. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's an, an older quarterback allowing a younger guy that's coming in to compete with him, you know, get to camp early and treating him the right way and showing him how to do things. Um, and back in that day, man, I, I swear it was probably like five, six, seven guys that were American that would maybe come back a yeah. week early. And, and now guys are buying houses. They're coming up a month early. Um you know, they're, they're wanting to have their kids in Canada, raise their kids in Canada because, you know, we see a certain climate down in the U.S. and we don't have to go there. But Canada is, is to, to us, it's, it's, it's a safe haven, man. This place is amazing to us. People are so nice. Um, and we see, you know, maybe sports outside of hockey that are lacking in professional coach coaching at a younger age. And we all want to get back up here and help that as well. Um, yeah, man, I mean, now there's, you know, 10, 20 guys that are doing that. I think that's, that's just, the number is just going to continue to grow the more that, you know, we do things like we did in the CBA to convince guys to stay with this one team for longer instead of just jumping around for money. Um, so, yeah, man, I see this community starting to be built with the CFL players, and it's pretty fun to watch. And Stampeders are always giving back. I'm pretty sure up on the website there's a little schedule. You can see where all the Stamps are going to be doing kind of appearances for different causes in the neighborhood as well. you got one coming up with uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters in August, which we can touch on in a minute here, Bo. But uh, wanted to get your thoughts on last week's victory over the Argonauts, 26-16, to 16, uh, exactly a week ago as you guys are playing on Thursday for back-to-back weeks and want to get your thought on that as well. Um, but uh, first off, just uh, – What'd you make of that Argos victory? I know you don't want to talk too much because you weren't playing in it, but uh, what were your observations? Uh, well, honestly, I thought we, I, I didn't think we played a much different game than we did in Hamilton where we lost. And that's kind of the beauty of football, but at the same time, when you're on the wrong end of it, the ugly side of football, which is um, I think for the most part as a team, we played an okay game. I think defense played out of their minds against Toronto. Um, Hamilton, I think we were all kind of, we all took our turns of playing bad football and good football. Uh, and a lot of that Hamilton game got put on special teams, which is a total crock. Um, yeah. You know, that's just, everybody wants to pinch on to one thing and say, this is why you lost, you know. And uh, so that was, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't just special teams. It was all three phases. But um, the Toronto game, I thought, I thought we played okay at times. Um, 
in the beginning, I felt like offensively we took advantage of the turnovers. I thought we did a good job of, you know, defense got a pick. You know, Smitty had that first pick. I think we turned that one into a touchdown uh, yeah. with the first touchdown to Brass. And then we had another one where we turned to a rushing touchdown. And then we came back with the third touchdown, which is another one to Brett. Um and it kind of felt the same as Hamilton and and as well uh, Ottawa uh, when I was playing is that we, we got ahead offensively early on and then we kind of got stagnant. And then the difference is it's against Hamilton, they scored an offense and now we've got to press. Um, you know, Toronto kept turning the ball over. And so we didn't really have to press as much, which is nice on offense. Special teams were doing a great job about field position, but Again, like we kicked the ball out of bounds, we uh, we threw a couple of picks, we had a fumble. It was everybody taking a turn um, of bad plays, but at the end, defense did so enough to not let Toronto score, to bend but not break, to continue to get turnovers that we end up getting a win. Uh, but it didn't look like that much different of a game to me from Hamilton. It doesn't seem fair when sometimes you like you go back to the Hamilton game and people say, "Oh yeah, if you." specials had picked up their socks you would have win it but at the same time you have a game last week where the defense plays out of their mind you're still able to kind of hold on to it it never is a situation where one phase straight up wins you or loses you a game there's three phases and that's extremely important for some people to try and remember in these games yeah i mean that's uh it's it, people have to understand that you know when you watch hockey it's there's, there's offense there's defense um you know, and there's everything in between, which is probably, which I would call the special side, which is a side that I still don't understand enough to even, to even speak about correlated correctly. But offense and defense play off each other, you know. So if you're, if you're bad offensively, it puts that much more pressure on the defense. Um, if you're bad defensively, it puts more pressure on the offense to perform that much more. And I think at times you feed off, oh, they've got a pick, we have to score, and then we don't score, and we all feel let down. But we still got a turnover, still change field position. But ultimately, the momentum feels like, oh, you know, we feel let down and disappointed in what just happened. And then, you know, that, that kind of cat and, and mouse game goes back and forth until a team decides to score. Um, but it was funny because a, a defensive player on our team said something coming off the sideline. It wasn't a bad thing. We're, we're players. We're, we're allowed to critique each other and take it like men. Um, he was like, man, focus up. Y'all stop jumping offside. And, you know, a player got a little upset about it, which is fine. That's what's supposed to happen. But uh, I just kind of talked to that player after on the defense. I was like, hey, man, listen, just because y'all are playing good on defense, you got to think about this. It doesn't mean they can't be playing good on defense too. You know, yeah. and I think that's a, that's a big thing to take in. Like, there are defensive games in the CFL. Just because we get a pick doesn't mean their defense can't play good defense in order to stop us. Um, you know, I know their record shows 0-5, uh, but they're not an 0-5 team. You know, they've they've made like even when we were playing, I was talking with our chaplain, Ross Watson, sideline. You know, they're not playing 0-5 football when you watch them. They're just making no. one bad mistake at the wrong time, and it then it kind of snowballs, and that's what people call basketball teams. But that means you're one bad play away, not happening from all that stuff not happening. Um, so. It's same thing. I, mean, I think we all know BC is not going to be at the end of the day like they're one and five right now, um, so on pace to be what three and thirteen. I think we all know at the end of the day they're not going to be three and thirteen at the end of the season. Yeah, you know. So I think think things always kind of play out. Um, it's uh, yeah. So I think it was it was a win, but like we say, a win is a win, and hell of a game by the defense, man. That would be one that uh, we're going to remember for a while. 
Yeah, definitely. Wasn't pretty, but it worked type of game for sure. Um, I, I got one more, and it, it's kind of an, another injury one, um, not necessarily with you, but another guy to your six-game injured list in Eric Mezzaleria, third linebacker to hit that six-game. Neither of the starters have hit the six-game in Corey Greenwood or uh, Winston McManus, but just a thought on what those backup guys who kind of I maybe mean, are backups on the depth chart, chart but are starters on special teams uh, bring to the table, the unheralded guys. Yeah, and, and that's that's the crazy part is, is we always talk about all three phases being so important. You know, Mark Killen's got the toughest job in the world, which is he has a revolving door of guys that are going to get put on special teams. It's whether or not the person's going to start on offense or start on defense, and if they do, or we decide to make a switch on one of those positions, then our special teams have to deal with it, basically, and, you know, go with that guy somewhere to help him out. And if you're in between a guy or two different guys you're going to put on the roster, typically that's where Killen says, all right, this is our – this is my decision. Um, I like this guy better for special teams. I can use him at this position. He's going to help us win the game. And that's when you go with, you got to realize special teams is a third of the game, and a very important third. So Riley Jones, you might see him on a depth chart as a backup linebacker, but he's one of the best special teams players in the league. So losing him early on really hurts. He makes your calls on punt team. He's, he's a guy that plays all four specials. Um, you know, Eric Mesler, that's another guy. Same thing. He's a guy that plays in all the specials. He's an impact player on there. He knows his assignments. His assignments down. He's always going to be where he's supposed to be. And that hurts because now you're trying to teach a guy his position. So not necessarily that the talent isn't there, but it's just the intelligence or the experiences isn't there on special teams, which can really hurt you field position-wise, which, again, like we talked about with offense and defense, bad special teams will affect the offense. It will affect the defense, vice versa with offense defense. So, um yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, hurt, it hurts to lose anybody on a team. You know, if you're on the active roster, you're playing in the game, and, and we need you. So um, I would say the six-game injury list was definitely huge in the beginning of the year. A lot of those guys are, are not even, you know, on the team right now as far as in the locker room because, you know, they were all major injuries, and that's what really hurt. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, Eric will make his way back. Riley will make his way back. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the sooner that happens, the better because we can kind of get on a roll. Thirteen um, guys. Yeah, uh, a, uh, go ahead, Bo. Yeah, I was just going to say, th- thirteen guys on the six-game injured list for the Stamps right now. It's an awful lot. Um, but before we take a break, I wanted to ask: Your family's back in town. Did you still get to use the hot tub as much as you liked? Well, actually, so we're so we were all out of town at one point, and um, I'm, I'm starting to like as I get older, I'm starting to become a little cheap with my money. <laughs> um, <laughs> just signs the big deal, and he like, starts tightening the yeah, wallet. Hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's trying to be smart, man. Trying to, you know, yeah. put put a couch aside for the girls' uh, colleges, their weddings, dream account, things like that. So, uh, you do that. You got you to gotta cut back. And, and one area I thought we could cut back on was our dogs. <laughs> we tend to leave <laughs> our dogs at, at, like, a doggy hotel if we go out of town for the night and whatnot. So, um, you know, we texted some friends, some family friends that are here in town. We said, hey, could you, do you mind just stopping off, feeding the dogs, playing with them for a little bit? Besides that, they're okay to run around the house. And, um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, of course, we'll stop by at lunch and dinner, hang out with them. And I was like, well, you know, we just got this brand new hot tub. Uh, you guys, feel free to jump in there if y'all want to. Uh, so, yeah, the mom and the daughter, they, they texted us after and said, you know, we used the hot tub. It was amazing. Um, we're going to have to come back and watch the dogs so we can get back in it again. So, uh, there yeah, you definitely go. Took advantage, definitely took advantage of it. Um, and even helped That's out. That's about saving out. money all over the place. Look at that. Saving money everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we'll take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, yeah, we'll talk a little bit All-Star Weekend, but I want to jump into um, 
just kind of what's going on all around the league, whether it's, uh, it's us, Winnipeg, Edmonton, uh, Toronto. There's a lot of things going on. Um, and I want to mention one interesting fact when we get back as well. So don't forget, text in 960 with any questions. 240-4444 if you want to call in and, uh, and talk a little bit. Uh, you're listening to The Bow Show on Sports at 950 Defense. Back to The Bow Show for SML Entertainment. One, two, three. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Bow Show for SML Entertainment. Making family time more exciting with pool tables, pinball, ping pong, beachcomber, and caldera hot tubs, and more. Visit smlentertainment.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, as Maddie mentioned, I would quickly like to hit... Um, you, you've heard it for years coming from me. Uh, the, the month of August is going to be All-Stars for Kids. And it, it's something that Big Brothers Big Sisters, it's their main, um, it is their main resource for, for the entire charity money they use for the entire year uh, to match bigs with little. So um, I, the launch party is Tuesday, July 30th from 4 to 6 p.m. at Last Best Brewing. They've got a Big Sister Sour that you can try and a Big Brother Beer from Banded Peak Brewing. Um, go down there, check it out. You can find out everything about it. There's a bunch of all-stars all around the city that'll be events, the Ed event for the entire month of August, um, from Olympians to hockey players, you know, football players. We're all going to be out there pushing for it because we all believe in it. And uh, it's, it's an event that, that I've been a part of for the last couple of years and had absolute blast doing it. So if you can, get on their website, www.allstarsforkids.ca. That's All Stars kids.ca uh, check out the events find one you can make it to bring your kids out um, you know meet some kids that are that that are in the program and you can see exactly where your money is going um, but yeah if you can uh, you know jump off the wall a little bit any little bit helps and uh, and let's make lives better for everybody out there um, hey and you get to go to a brewery too we're at wild rose today you're missing out oh getting hydrated huh Oh, you know, you know how we do it on the boat show. You gotta stay hydrated. <laughs> Get our Pedialytes. All right, let me jump in real quick. Um, yeah, so right now we're tied for second at three and two. Montreal definitely helped us out with the win over Edmonton, who is also three and two. But Montreal is three and two, one game back from Hamilton. And I think if we just told anybody that the general manager would be fired, your starting quarterback would get hurt, <laughs> and Montreal is going to start the season zero and two which I think we would all be okay with saying. But then they're going to go on a three-game win streak, man. And one thing i got to say about that, Vernon Adams is balling. I know it's an entire team effort. I don't like to just, you know, all of a sudden he's on a win streak and you just give all the credit to the quarterback. But um, he's an Eastern Washington guy, so I have to, man. I'm proud of him. Uh, and this is where my interesting fact comes from. So check this out. Four of the nine starters right now in the CFL all come from one head coach. Okay. So Bo Is it Baldwin a former CFL? At, so Bo Baldwin was at no, no. Bo Baldwin was at uh, Central Washington. Coach Mike Riley gets Riley to the CFL. He switches to Eastern Washington. Has uh, one guy and Eric Myers who goes to the uh, NFL for a little bit and then went Arena League. His next quarterback, Matt Nichols. His next quarterback, myself. His next quarterback, Vernon Adams, who transfers to Oregon at the very end of it, his last year after graduating. And his next one is Gage Govrid, who broke all of our records and just transferred to Washington State. 
That's the last six quarterbacks this guy has had a part of, and four of them are starting in the CFL right now. Guy has an impact for sure. Sounds like the type of guy we need to get on the show sometime in the future. What is it about uh, him I'm, that uh, moves I'm the needle? So. Man, I think certain guys, man, he played He played at Central Washington himself. He played behind, I believe it was John Kitna. Um, and then he went and played in the European League. And he said, he told me, Bo, when I was over there, playing is when I became an amazing coach. That's, and I don't even want to say it like that. Those are my words. Because uh, that sounds cocky. That's not true. He <laughs> said, that's where I learned how to coach because I was, when you go over to, you know, as an American, if you go to Germany to play, you go to anywhere in Europe to play football, they don't, they're only allowed to have three Americans on every team. So these guys are player coaches. These guys are playing on the team, and they're continuing to help coach the entire team at every position to try to get uh, football a little bit more known out there. Yeah. So as a quarterback, Bo Ballin was having to call the play, make the throw, and already having his head, okay, if I complete this pass to the six-yard out route, it's going to be second and four. Here's a couple of plays I like because we'll be in the left hash, and this is what they tend to run on second and four. Okay, if I incomplete that pass, it'll be second and ten from the right hash now. Here's some coverage they tend to run. Here's something I think we should do. Um, if I if that first route is open, I come back to an eight-yard dig, a 14-yard curl. You know, it's just it. He said it was it was crazy the amount of information I had to go through my head at a time, and now and that helped me understand how to call a game for a quarterback. You know, he's like, I was a quarterback. I never thought my coach was bad at play calling, but he's like, I realized playing the position and play calling what it takes and it teaches, it taught me, you know, how to do that while getting hit in the head. And uh, he's like, so it seems easy when you're sitting on the sideline not having to make the throws. And he's like, as long as I can coach you guys to understand what I'm seeing and make those throws and, and kind of get to where I want you to get to, it makes play calling and the quarterback position so much more synonymous and makes it more, it makes it a lot more uh, easier. So, yeah, man, he's the guy I'll definitely get on the show. Um, impacted my the life other, for sure. The other thing and I draw I, from that boat is you name in like yourself, Mike Riley, and then Vernon, who are, is, is a very different style of quarterback. This isn't like a niche style of quarterback that he's teaching. Like this is across the board, just an outstanding coach. Well, yeah, that's the thing. He doesn't he doesn't try to mold you to his offense. He tries to mold his offense to you. And I think that's very, very important. I think if you try to put a guy in a system because you think he can run your system and just you don't change anything, um, you know, that guy's never going to reach the potential that he can. And I, I said it for a couple of years. The moment somebody gives that offense to burn and commits to him, they're going to reap some benefits because that guy should tear this league apart, in my opinion. Have you uh, – have you – sorry, go ahead, Bo. No, go ahead, go ahead, you're good. I was just going to say, like, because uh, we were talking about Montreal, that's kind of how we got on to this point too, and we'll have to get Coach on sometime soon for sure. But have you talked to some of the buddies in Montreal and just – like some of your old teammates maybe about the turnaround? Like they've been playing really well these last three games. What are you seeing from the Alouettes? Man, I haven't, actually. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. You know, I've only talked to Vernon. I, I shot him a test for the last game. And, I mean, I'll keep what I said to him private. Um, you know, just along the lines of wishing him good luck, but understanding, you know, that people build you up to break you down. Um, 
and he just seems very positive. You know, he, he doesn't, he's not questioning anything. I think guys in the building all feel like things are being turned around there. Um, they're getting rid of the people that should not be there. They're bringing in guys that want to be there, that want to win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, – I think they're – when you're winning, it's, you know, you don't want to change anything. You don't want to mess anything up. So, I think guys over there are confident right now. They're enjoying themselves. They're probably trying to – I bet they're doing a lot of team, you know, activities together. Um because you want to ride that high. You want to make sure that when you're playing well, you keep getting that team camaraderie going because sometimes when you're playing like that and the vibe is so good with the team, it's kind of funny how some penalties you just shrug off your back. You're like, all right, man, don't worry about it. Um, and some balls start bouncing your way, whether it's turnovers or whatnot. And there's just more a more positive outlook on things when, 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 we're, when you're playing like that, when you go 3-0, when you feel like you're playing well, when, when guys are clicking all over the field. Um, there's just a certain aura about it. When you're not playing well, you know, the smallest penalty can seem so big. Uh, and guys are like, oh, no, here we go again. You know, here's, here, oh, here's a fumble. Now this is going to happen. Now this is going to happen. So, uh, I think, man, I think everybody in Montreal is just having fun. They're playing together. They're buying into what they're doing behind uh, Kahari Jones. And, uh, you know, they're enjoying a little win streak right now. Yeah, and for a team, for an example of a team that, you know, got along well and saw the results, I'd say you could probably just look back to your club last year. That team seemed to have a lot of cohesion. Oh, man. I mean, that's a team that, you know, there's five or six guys that I'll probably never lose contact with over my entire life. And the rest of the guys on the team are guys that if they ever, you know, called me and asked me if needed something, I'd always be there for them because that's the kind of relationship you build. Um, when you're playing like that with a team and you're committed to it, it's different than guys that are just showing up to collect a check. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's an undescribable feeling. You know you're showing up to a room where everybody has one goal, um, I forget who the coach is. Maybe it was John Wooden uh, that said, you'll never believe the amount of success you have if if everyone in the room doesn't care who gets the credit. And, yeah. you know, that, that just couldn't be, it couldn't be more true. Um, so, yeah, so I just think uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to say about confidence and camaraderie and there's a locker room. And I think that those are the kind of teams that you see that make it to the end every year. Do you want to touch on uh, some of the other games ongoing this weekend, Bo? Because we are all of a sudden we're running out of time here, and uh, yeah. get a couple of texts before the show wraps up. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, who do we have? Let's see. I got I got to pull up the schedule. So tomorrow, obviously, you got us Ottawa uh, rematch in Week One, uh, rematch of the Great Cup. But um, like we said in week one, it wasn't a rematch of the Grey Cup. And we'll, like we're going to tell you right now, it's not a rematch of week one. Um, you know, defense are playing much differently. You've got two different starting quarterbacks playing this game. Um, I think Nick feels confident, man. I think uh, I, I got to watch the first day of practice uh, and talk to guys. You know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a junkie when it comes to football, so I was texting guys <laughs> and asking how practice was and, and asking Dave. And, um, they said it was good. It was hot. You know, it was how it's going to be here in Ottawa, and guys were, were communicating. They were they were clicking. So um, yeah, man, I'm excited for the game this weekend. I think uh, I think I think everybody on the team is at that point right now where we're just ready to kind of find that identity. And like like we're talking about with Montreal with with Winnipeg teams that are playing well, you want to get to that point where guys are just you know playing for each other. Um, you got Winni yeah, Winnipeg, Tor Hamilton on Friday, Toronto, Edmonton tomorrow with you, and then Saskatchewan and BC on Saturday. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny, but the, the most interesting one I want to watch is the Sass-BC game. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but for some reason that game just kind of draws my attention to future implications. I know we have, I mean, I know that that probably goes against common sense with a five and zero Winnipeg team playing a four and one Hamilton team. Um, you know, but for some reason that's the game that I want to see because those are two teams that I know are aren't playing as good a football as they will be at the end of the season. Um, I mean, I think this is going to be the tightest year. You know, when you get to the end of the year and you look at yeah. the schedule over the last, you know, four or five, I think this is going to be the tightest year just as far as, you know, four or five weeks out, not knowing who's going to win the West, who's going to win the East. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of turnover throughout the entire season, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, I think it's good for the CFL. I think it's great for CFL fans. But, um, I mean, the game everybody wants to know about, Winnipeg, Hamilton. You know, it's going to be uh, one of those playoff games everybody's talking about. Um, you know, Winnipeg's playing out of their mind right now. And I think they've got the right attitude. I keep reading some of their articles where, you know, they're getting asked questions about the 5-0 and record, and they're all answering them, answering them the right way. They're not, you know, being overly cocky about it, but they're just they're enjoying what they're doing right now, and they're going to continue to try to do it. Uh, and to me, when I watch Winnipeg, I think they're the one team right now that you really have no idea what they're doing on offense. I think they do a great yeah. job of, of pushing the ball downfield, running the ball, doing play action, running screens, throwing the ball down the middle of the field. Um, putting in Strebler and, and doing, you know, a couple of different things. They, they're not just cookie-cutter when it comes to bringing in an athletic quarterback. Um, I think they're doing a lot of different things. I think that's helping them. They've got a really good roster. Uh, you know, Hamilton, you know, I, I think it's um, – they're kind of future famine to me. I think they, they, they play well when they're playing well. When they play bad, they play bad. I mean, which is anybody. Um, you know, it kind of sounds redundant, but um, – I think, uh, to me, you know, Winnipeg, I think they're playing too well, and I think they're going to come, probably come out on top of that one. Um, I know this is this is odd, but you, you, you're looking for the game, all right, which game in these next couple of weeks is Toronto going to win? They're not going to go 0-18. Uh, what's that next game they're going to win? It kind of helps them turn the season around and maybe get, you know, 4-5-6, uh, you know, here in the last couple of weeks. Edmonton is a possibility with the way they just played against Montreal. Uh you know, but knowing knowing Jason Moss, knowing knowing Trevor, I think they're probably gonna, you know, get back on the horse and uh, and come out and come out slinging it. And so, to me, when you when you try to pick a game that Toronto's gonna win these next couple weeks, I don't think you go and say, oh, they're gonna win this game because of this reason against this team. I think it's gonna be an outstanding effort that gives them that win. There's gonna be a, um, you know, McLeod going for 400, four touchdowns, no pick. Yeah. Darrell going off for 150. Um, you know, a kick return touchdown by somebody, you know, defense playing out of their mind. I think it's going to take one of those games where everybody's like, oh, man, like this is what that roster could possibly be when everybody's playing the right way. And I think they're just trying to find that mojo. And once they get there, they'll, they'll hit it pretty well. And I don't think any of us know which team that's going to be against. So uh, look forward to see who it is. But, you know, hopefully it's just never us. Yeah, <laughs> nobody ever said the CFL is easy to predict. That is for sure. Um, let's hit the text line here, man, before we let you go and, uh, you know, rest that peck after holding the phone to you for so long. But uh, this first one reads, uh, tell Bo the Mr. Man, come on. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, th- I figured as much. He's a professional over there. Don't leave your headset in the uh, hotel this time. Um, this says, tell Bo the Mr. Rogers neighborhood video was hilarious. Did you get a chance to see that, uh, the stamps edit of the Mr. Rogers video? Oh, yeah. So the slowest player on the entire team, Michael Lucas, uh, <laughs> He um, he sent it actually in a group text just to me and Eric, and he was like, "What? Didn't know you kids were in Hollywood a couple of years ago." Um, he's like, "The acting is outstanding." So obviously he's just razzing us, but uh, 
Yeah, it was. Uh, we were actually talking about on the plane today. DD was ragging Eric, uh, basically just for everything he said. And, D, and Eric was like, "How many times did you watch that? Like, how do you have all that memorized?" And DD, he's just one of those guys, man. When he when he gets on like ragging on you, he he can just keep going and finding things. And uh, so yeah, I mean, it was it was funny. Um, just just clarify too, DD is video. Derek Dennis, not the coach, right? Yeah, no, Derek Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one, uh, this guys are ragging on each other, but yeah, Kluke sent it to us, made fun of us, so uh, got everybody started on it. Uh, this one reads, uh, what was your first car and what's your dream car? Uh, first car was a jacked up um, forest green two-door Chevy Tahoe, no air conditioning, one of the windows didn't work. Uh, nice. I paid a friend's dad like $1,700 cash for it over money that I just kind of saved up during the summers doing work. And um, dream car, man, I'm actually, the, the one car as a kid that I always wanted, like not knowing that you're going to play professional football and make a lot of money. Um, you know, one car I always wanted was a Toyota 4Runner. And my wife, yeah. bought, my, bought my wife one. Um, just you know, got her everything, you know, the TRD Pro, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, man, that's, an, that's a great car to drive around. But I got to say, dream car, and this is like, you know, me driving out to anywhere I want. It's not having to think about putting the kids in the back because we're talking about dream cars. <laughs> so I'm going back to being a kid. Uh, I would say the actual, the Porsche Panamera. Yeah. I think I think those are, those are pretty sweet. I know it's a hatchback. I know it's probably weird to some people, but I'm a golfer, so. Uh, it doesn't ever hurt having room for the club. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I went to Porsche this offseason and checked some cars out. And, um, man, walking by that car was one of those that I just kept looking at and just kept coming back to. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably probably one of those cars I would love to, to have one day and drive around. All right, man, last one. And this goes back to your trip yesterday. You went down to L.A., saw the dock, came back, and now you're on the plane to Ottawa once again. The listener's wondering how in the hell you don't have a Nexus card yet. <laughs> the guy I was sitting next to you on the plane on the way home last night asked me the same thing. He's like, man, don't you all fly a lot on your football <laughs> team? Like, why do you not have a Nexus card yet? I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I need to have one. I wonder if that's him that texted you. Uh, his name's yeah. Derek. Um, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I have one for you, actually. Okay. Again, real quick, because I've been bringing out all the, the rapid-fire questions these last couple of weeks, so I'm going to add you. Uh, if Logan's still there, uh, let's have him jump in on this, too. Um, favorite board game as a kid, and if you play any right now, what's your favorite board game you're playing right now? Because on favorite- the team, we play a lot of board games together, so. Favorite board that. game growing up was the Game of Life, for sure. I played yep. it all the time on, like, camping trips, and I was also super good. I'd always get the doctor. So I had, obviously, really high aspirations in life. Didn't end up becoming a doctor, but, you know, things still worked out. Um, I don't play a lot of board games now, actually. I play more video games than I play board games. But uh, I always get to, like, get together with some friends and go to one of those, like, gaming pubs and pick a random game that we haven't really played and learn how to play it and have a couple beers yep that's a good one i like that is logan there right now or no yeah i'm here man what's up all right logan favorite board game as a kid and if you play any games right now what's the favorite one you're playing right now i used to love playing guess who man that used to be like the funnest game (laughs) of all time mainly because i was just 
terrible. Tough one. Like I was just terrible at it, but I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. You could like kind of like lie your way to a win if you were any good at it. <laughs> but I'm kind of with Matt. I don't really play any board games now. I I don't even think I own any board games. I think the last board game I owned was probably like Trouble. Maybe I think that was the last board game I owned, and that was a long time like, ago. I, I definitely yeah. own board games. Like I have Risk, I have Life, I have Monopoly. We play them every once in a while, but it's not like a, a big thing. Yes, all right. So mine as a kid was Risk. Um, I watched a lot of Pinky and the Brain. I don't know if you've ever seen that cartoon as a kid. Uh, <laughs> so I think I had like this take over the world complex. And uh, yeah, I mean, Risk was, was a fun one to me. It was competitive, but it took time. Like it was actual strategy and, and how you had to think your own self. Like, how am I going to do this? It's not a luck of the dice. Uh, okay, I moved five spots. I landed on, you know, land on go. Uh, a little I, more I don't complicated than guess walk, who. Things like that. Yeah, risk is a fun one. Save time. Um, there's definitely been some board flips in my house over that game before. And right now, the one we play a lot, my wife, like we have a lot of couple friends right now. And um, uh, Catan, Settlers of Catan. Yeah. So, yeah, we play that. The Seafarers expansion, the City of Nights expansion. Um, that's a fun game. It, it, it's probably an hour long, and it's just quick, fun strategy. But kind of that, it's a really, I'd say, a dumbed down version of Risk. So uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say that's the one Simple. I go with right now. Dude, Operation yeah. used to be the best board game of all time. Oh man, I love that bro. thing. <laughs> Operation. All right, guys. Well, hey, man, appreciate y'all joining me today. Uh, fans out there, appreciate you joining, listening on the boat show. We've got Ottawa tomorrow. Tune in. We got the All Star Weekend starting. Uh, launch party Tuesday, July 30th, 4 to 6 p.m., Last Best Brewing. Get out there, support them. And, uh, yeah, man, see y'all, uh, see y'all next Wednesday after we uh, go out there and get this win. There you go. That's the Bo Show. All right, guys.